Patrons, this is Chris and Reggie, and hey, hey. Uh, here we are with our third episode of Comics Talk. Obviously, we don't really have a uh, intro set for this. Or really set. <laughs> no, we don't. Frankly, as I'm concerned, the title could change if anyone has any uh, better ideas. But for sure, uh, wanted to give this to you, send this out to you guys as a huge thank you uh, for all of you, all of your support. You know, we picked up a few patrons even recently, and. Uh, Chris and I are really overwhelmed with the uh, support. Very humble. Very, very grateful for the support that we're getting. And uh, we hope that shows like this make uh, all that worthwhile for you. So this idea actually came from one of our patrons and a longtime supporter of the uh, Cosmic Treadmill show, uh, Jeremiah Jones Goldstein, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He wanted to, he wrote in and he wanted us to talk about, well, what it is is there's sort of a long-running Trope, I believe, right even back to the earliest episodes, that for sure, yeah, Chris finds the specter very boring. I hate the specter, yeah. <laughs> he hates the specter, <laughs> and uh, whenever the specter you know shows up in a comic, there's a groan. Whenever we mention him, it's kind of a you know, uh, Chris is like, <sighs> you know, he does yep. a little of the snore, <laughs> and uh, we you know we got had fun with it. We you know with that sort of a, a long running thing, and he wanted us to talk about what's behind that, and you know, there's been similar for. Basically, all all, all this, the spooky trifecta of Phantom Stranger and Dead Man, right? We, you, yeah. You sort of feel the same way about all of them. So, uh, but we thought a good idea would be to talk about characters that we each of us don't like and why, yep. and just you know how we uh, came uh, to those opinions. So we're going to start off with the uh, spooky folk that set off the whole thing here. Absolutely. That is, of course, the Spectre. He made his first appearance in More Fun Comics number 52, way back February 1940 cover date. Uh, we're going to lump him in with Phantom Stranger. Phantom Stranger number one was his first appearance. That was August, September 1952. And then finally, Dead Man, who made his first appearance in Strange Adventures number 205 back in October 1967. Now, it's like, I, it's weird. I uh, My dislike for these guys I'm not even sure where it's founded. I just do you, uh, do you remember the first time you encountered the Spectre? Well, do you remember what comic? That yes, was? yeah, uh, it was because uh, I I came into DC in a really big way in the late '90s, and uh-huh. like an idiot, one of my first books I bought was Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> uh, I, I you know I had a working knowledge of like Superman, Batman, Lantern, Flash, you know the the ones you know. And you were like, let but, me abolish that knowledge completely now. Oh you God, know? yeah, because because back. Back in the day, my I got a lot of my information from Usenet, and right. uh, Usenet was broken up. It, it's very archaic BBS uh, message board system, and uh, there would be like you know Rack Rack Comics Marvel X, and you'd it'd be all the X Men discussion. Then there'd be like Rack Comics Rack Art Comics DC, and then there'd be Rack Arts Comics DC dot Crisis. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, well, that I, I know crisis is a big deal. I know it's something that people are talking about. And now that I'm, you know, now that I'm exploring the other side of the table at the uh, comic shop, right. maybe I should get a working knowledge of what in the hell crisis is. Yeah, I mean, how how hard could it be? It's a comic book, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> so I pick that up. I get, you know, most of the way through it, and then the specter shows up. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, why why did he wait until the very end to show up? <laughs> It's his whole thing. I mean, then, like, even we did, uh, we covered uh, Zero Hour uh, during, uh, for a Weird Comics History a couple of years ago. And it's the same thing. They all go to the Spectre. It's like, hey, Spectre, we need your help. And he's like, eh. Like, and nah. then all of a sudden he does it. Then he's yeah, like, then okay, all... boom. You know what I mean? That's... And that's all it is. It's a boom. So and it just, the, it's the, a game ender. The issue with Spectre in the modern era, for sure. And, and by that, I mean, like, you know, basically Silver Age. Post-crisis. Age on. Yeah, so, yeah. Definitely post-crisis is that. He has one move, and that's to do whatever he wants. That's you it. Know? And, that's, and, so, and it's sort of the same problem with Superman and the Justice League is you always have to kind of sideline him somehow yeah. to give the other characters something to do. It's like, Or the bad team has to have a magician on it, so Superman has a weakness to something. And that, yeah. that justifies someone in the Justice League with, it, with magic powers or some kind of yeah. you know, ability. Uh, the, with the Spectre, that's the there's no point in having any other he, being in the universe sure. if the Spectre can literally just turn everyone into flowers with, with a thought. Uh, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's why you only see him, you know, come out at the very, you know, the last moment of things, and he's just so creepy. Um, for me, I, I did like Hal turning into Spectre as a concept. That, I, I enjoyed the first few issues of that, yeah. It just didn't, it, there's nothing, there's no way you can really go. There's no journey for the Spectre. The Spectre no. is a character that's had his journey, and now he mm-hmm. is, like, forever, almost uh, to his, you know, detriment, almost almost like uh, captured by God to be his the voice of God. He's a vessel, or, or yeah. Uh, you know, that it's, it's not something he wants to do, it's something he's compelled to do. And so there's there's really not a lot you can do with it. And the, and even though I've loved a lot of the art in like Ordway did a, a I think he did two miniseries, didn't he? Uh, uh, Ost- Ostrander, Ostrander and uh, that's, that's yeah, I mean. Mandrake, I believe. Um, yeah. Just just some great artwork. But I I will agree with you that pretty much every iteration of Spectre I've seen since the '60s has been boring and getting more boring as we go forward. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. I'd say more recently, it's almost like, oh, here he comes to like (laughs) blink everyone out of existence or whatever, you know. But I gotta, I gotta say, one of my earliest memories, Chris, is reading uh, Jules Pfeiffer's uh, the great comic book Heroes, Mm -hmm. and he has a Spectre story in there, and it made me fall in love with the Golden Age Spectre. And I gotta say, if you can ever get your hands on some of these Golden Age Spectre comics, uh, which are which are all more fun, uh, he there there was no Spectre series back then. Yeah. Um, they're they're incredible because they're so crazy. Like he, hmm. like the what he does, it just makes no sense. First of all, you know that it's a co-creation by Jerry Siegel, and okay. uh, it, it's in a way, if Superman is supposed to be like the retribution of the common man, you know, the sock the sock the big guy in the face. The Spectre is like the the. Total wish fulfillment, revenge fantasy you have, where like you would, you would imagine your bully like flayed and you know burned at a on a stake. That's the kind of thing Spectre gets into. So I remember this story where like he's chasing down a criminal and like he makes the criminal dissolve through his car into his hand and then he puts him on a ring of Saturn and says, <laughs> "You stay here." Then he goes back to Earth. He gets some more evidence. He comes back. He peels back the guy's head his skull mm-hmm. and looks at the imprints on his brain to extract a confession and then <laughs> takes that confession the man is dead by the way now the the, the oh, so sure. the 
But the confession stands because, you know, when a, when a green and white ghost comes into the police station with a confession, you, you, you tend to believe it. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing, like, and I've read other ones like that, and I, I've never forgotten that. It is so off the wall. It's like a little kid's crazy, uh, mean revenge fantasy. Uh, so that will always be something to me, like, near and dear to my heart. But like, I do admit that when I see him in a, in a more recent comic, I'm like, oh, this guy again. <laughs> Hi, Specter. <laughs> you know? if, if, if we had more stories like that one, I'd be into it. But uh, I think that'll bring that back a little bit. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, just a, a little bit more whack and a little bit less power, because every every story I've read him in since Crisis has been. It's like you said. It's here's Specter again, and what's he gonna do? And it's like, oh, he fixed everything, or he screwed everything up. It's. I, I remember at the end of Gotham Central when when uh, what's his name, Crispus. Crispin, Crispus, yeah. Crispus something or other, right? I forget his last name, but uh, he turns into the Specter, and I remember thinking like, oh man, I like that character. <laughs> you know, like, oh man. I mean, it turned out they did nothing with it anyway, so it doesn't matter. No. But, uh so uh, what about what about our fellow? I think we we're both on the same page about Phantom Stranger, a character that I can't believe debuted in a title of his own. I, it's unbelievable to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But just one more thing about the Spectre before we oh, move on. I was I was digging in a, a bin not too long ago, and I found like uh, like the worst of the worst. Yeah, I, and I actually bought it for a quarter. It was an issue of the Spectre that ties into the Genesis crossover. Oh man. Which I mean, that's got to. I mean, you 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 should need a prescription for that. Why? Why do they do that? I mean, because everything died into Genesis, but Genesis was so boring. And then the Spectre on top of that. Yeah. I, I'm surprised I wasn't carded for like buying a Quaalude or something. It's just <laughs> the worst thing. Double ply boredom right there. Oh boy. But yeah, Phantom Stranger. I. I liked uh, the art in a uh, in that what was that that Mike Mignola did a mini had a mini series where he did the art which I enjoyed. Okay. I the art anyway, but the uh, story it's well the story is another tied up with another guy I don't like, but I forgot to list him here. Friggin' Eclipso, I hate Eclipso. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> oh poor Eclipso. <laughs> but uh, I, I haven't seen anything since from the Phantom Stranger that's been engaging. It's no. he's one note. Uh, another guy who's kind of a, uh, who's kind of just like a wandering spirit. I don't, I head. don't understand what he does. That's the thing. Like I never understood what is his quote unquote power, except to just yeah. sort of be there when when magic stuff is hap- going wrong. He shows up, yeah. and he can, I guess, sometimes transport you. I, you know, the 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 best fan of Stranger story, a very famous one, is that one where he transports Batman back to. The moment his parents are killed, yes, and yes. then you know we see a Bruce Wayne that's raised uh, with his parents, and uh, that got, that got a, uh, an alternate Earth in the uh, exactly yeah, you're right. that, crisis. That's yeah. right, that did become an alternate Earth. So uh, yeah, and in the end, and in the end, Bruce Wayne becomes Batman because he's inspired by the Batman that saved his parents. So that's kind of its own fulfilling thing. But other than that, I'd never understood. What 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 does he do? What is his thing? I don't really know. Like, what is he around? What is he? <laughs> Why? And then, you know, um, DiDio, when, when the new 52 happened, he had it yeah. that this that he was Judas. That, Judas uh, Iscariot. He's the original yeah. Judas. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And so the, the necklace around his neck is actually the, the silver pieces. The one piece of silver for every so for he, every sin. Yeah. So he had 30, supposedly, but it was like, obviously, they're running as long as they have to. But it didn't matter because they didn't do anything with it. They just kind of, they just, they kind of stated that as a fact. And that was it. I was like, I, I don't think, I think this is a character that looks real cool. Sure. 
that's all he's got though. There's not there's no more to this guy. Alan yeah. Moore had that secret origins too where he was a fallen angel too. That was that was like a pretty good story. Well that was like that was like the coolest thing about the Phantom Strangers that no one knew what his origin was. Yeah. And uh there were all these rumors. I mean Judas was a long standing rumor. Um and it, it kinda it kinda diminishes from him that they actually that they confirmed it. That they confirmed it, yeah. Although because I, I don't know some if that's still most... canon, I don't know. It, it might not be for sure. I know, but uh, yeah, but that was like the most interesting thing about him was trying to figure out uh, and draw conclusions to who he might be or what he might be, and uh, by by taking that question off the table, I think they take a lot of his mystique away, and not that he had much to begin with outside of a cool look. Yeah, it's uh, just uh, Dullsville, and like I I, I kind of conflate him and the Shade. Uh, and, but I, I think the shade is a whole lot cooler. You mean Rack Shade, the original Shade? No, yeah. no, no, no. Just Shade, uh, the Shade, oh, the guy oh. who uh, the guy who bums around Opal City. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, okay, messes with Starman. Yes, yes. But uh, I, I always conflate them a bit, and but but the Shade is so much cooler to me. Uh, he's a, he's a little bit more poetic, but I just dig him a lot more than the Phantom Stranger because he's he does more than just stand there it and just uh, stands around and. Just kind of creeps me out. That's all this guy does. I don't know what. It is. I don't really like him. The last guy we all we do have different opinions about. Dead man, dead man. It's when I was growing up, you had that choice between GI Joe and the Transformers, you uh-huh. know. And I always went with GI Joe because what do I care about a robot? All if right. a robot, if a robot dies or a robot breaks, they rebuild the damn robot. Dead man is dead. What do <laughs> I care if anything happens to him? He's dead. There's no stakes for me. It's like if he dies more, what's going to happen? Well, so I really yeah. I just don't I don't really care. And inhabiting other bodies is kind of cool. But I mean, how many times can you do it's it's I love Quantum Leap, but I I, I don't know that I'd want to read it. They've never played it that way, which would be actually a clever way to do it. <laughs> Seriously, to go into a different body and deal with that person's Problems. Life. Usually he just jumps in a body, uses them to eat a hot dog and leaves, and that person's left wondering what the hell happened to the last half hour, you know, and it's kind of, it's sort of messed up. You know, when it started, Dead Man was, was couched as a mystery of him discovering who killed him, the claw, this yeah. whole super convoluted and I think very poorly written story. But Dead Man is one of those few characters that I like him as a character. I, I like his... Uh, kind of snarky, you know, his uh, Lower East Side accent, his attitude. Um, I like his sort of like casual attitude towards esoteric things and like, like he'll just, you know, there's an issue with Swamp Thing, I remember, where he has to go down to hell to retrieve Abigail and Deadman is there because he can be there and he's just sort of hanging out. He's just sort of standing around and he's like, oh, hey, Swamp Thing, I'll take you over here for a little while. And, you know, he's, he's talking like this. I'm Boston Brand. Uh, I do agree that the slipping in and out, out of live bodies uh, is sort of a. I always thought it was being pretty mean. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> I guess when you think of it, yeah. It's sort of a violation of someone else's, you know, ultimate privacy. <laughs> but uh, you know, as far as superhero gimmicks go, it's not so bad. And I am glad he's a hero and not a villain. I'd probably be much more oh, annoyed okay. with him if he were a villain. But uh, he's also that is, I believe, an Arnold Drake co-creation. Yes. But uh, that doesn't mean anything. It really, I thought, even though he's a co-creation, as far as I'm concerned, he's a Neil Adams character, and everyone knows it. <laughs> I, I did like him when he was alive. They had him alive during Brightest Day. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool, like him adjusting to, to things like hunger. Right. And, and having to go to the bathroom and stuff. It, it was kind of like the Beyonder back in uh, Secret Wars, but not quite as uh, <laughs> as quaint, I guess. But, uh, I mean, they had him fall in love with... Uh, 
with Dove. It, it was just a nice little story arc, which, you know, kind of got flushed like everything else. Yeah, that, that whole later. thing. Didn't, but, didn't, wasn't there also a Boston brand zombie for Blackest Night? Maybe I not. Don't know. Maybe not. I, it's possible. They, they brought so many people back for I, that. So many. Been, I know. It, it really was. It's like, so long since I've actually read through that. Yeah. yeah it's been a while. Uh, it would sort of make sense, but not make sense. They, they could have played it either way, really, kind of, frankly. Yeah, they you could. Know? <laughs> it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's why, and uh, I think when we get down to it, um, you just don't like the hints. You don't like the spooks. You don't like the hints. <laughs> that you're not—that's what you're not about, and that's fine. Yes. Um, my first offering for characters that and this is almost—it's a little bit shameful for someone like me that's supposed to be such a Silver Age fan and whatever. But challenges to the unknown first appeared I know it's not hard, I think it's not that hard but in they first appeared <laughs> showcase number 6 February 1957 supposedly the great Kirby creation the great template for the Fantastic Four I'd never read a story in there that I could even I wasn't fighting to get through by the end it's you know true. what I mean like honestly like fighting to, and I have read complete stories but by the end I'm like why am I reading this boring ass story mm-hmm. uh, even the whole concept of it is just like I, I, it's, 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 I think even for 1957, it was a comic out of time. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like something that would have flown in the 20s as a pulp, you know, an adventure yep. pulp. Been yep, like, they beat death, and now they're challenging. Uh, four <laughs> daring do daredevils <laughs> defeat the specter of death, and now they fight for crime, you know, whatever the hell. So uh, just could never get into them. They've tried to – they've had half-hearted revivals, including that uh, – uh, what do you call it? Um Tim Sale one, right? The Jeff Loeb and Tim yeah. Sale, which it, it's it starts okay. I, I recently read the first issue again after a long, long time, but yeah. uh, it's an, it's another one. It's like the conceits are pretty neat. Um, they changed them to more like a commercial outfit where like Challenger's Mountain is kind of like a like a tourist attraction. Right. Like they, it's in Challengerville, and like the whole city is like a, a shrine to them, and it, it's neat, you know, on its face, but. When you get about two thirds of the way through the first issue, you're still wondering, it's like, okay, which which guy am I looking at? Yeah. Is this is this the same guy? Is this Ace? Is this whoever? Yeah. Is, is it like, it's like Ace, the same Stone, guy. Griffin, Burt, and Burt. You know, like <laughs> the, the four the same guy. I mean, that's the that, I read that, and that conceit is awesome. It actually reminds me very much of Astro's elements of Astro City. Sure. But sure. Uh, the characters still suck. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Like at the core of it, the, the characters you don't want oh, to read no. about them. Uh, so I've never, and there was one for the new 52 also where they were like reality show stars or whatever. That was, now there's even the new challengers. There's even, I, I think I read two of those. That's, I'm, I don't blame the challengers for what's going on with that. That's a whole other thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never liked them. I guess it's not as controversial as I thought, but, uh, I, I've, I've never liked them. I don't think I ever will. Not when the Fantastic Four exists. There's no reason for it. It's true. It's true. Uh, jumping back to one of mine here, and this one might be controversial. Mm. Raz al Ghul. Mm. The controversial part is that Denny O'Neill would say Raisha Ghul. Oh, well, sorry, Denny. There's your first controversy. But anyway. <laughs> it's true. Uh, he first appeared in Batman number 232, June 1971 cover date. Anytime Raj al Ghul uh, <laughs> uh, is... is Anytime like an issue ends with next issue, Ray Al Ghul. Yeah. It's like how many months am I gonna have to deal with this? This is I, yeah. Go ahead. He's just so dull. It's just it's it's always the same thing. I and you know they they did the thing with Talia, which is interesting, kinda. But it, then then that became the very same thing that they it, did. Over you're right. It, it, they did it probably five times. 
the same yeah. thing in a row of just like, I've tricked you, detective, so you can detective, take my place. Yeah. And he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that I must kill you. No. Oh, that I'm going to jump in the Lazarus pit. You know, it's, it is the same thing. Uh, to me, this is a character is a victim of overuse. That's, that's really sure. it. That, that first arc, I do consider yeah. a classic, mm-hmm. but you have diminishing returns over time. Uh, with this sure. character, and uh, and now he's like practically. I think he has an apartment in Gotham City, and uh, he knows <laughs> yeah. the neg- he knows the guy at the newsstand. He gets him his coffee without asking that kind of thing. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, definitely over. There was a God. I, what the hell did they collect it? At? It was a Raisha Ghoul Year One, maybe they called it. Okay, does it sound familiar? Did that come, did that come out around the time of the movie? Yeah. Or one of the movies because he's in one of them, right? The uh, yeah the. Uh, the older ones, not the newer, the the, the Batman Begins, right? The uh, Christopher the Nolan ones. The ones from like ones. the mid two thousand. Right, right, right. The Christian, yeah. Christian Bale. Those. I'm almost positive you're right. And that story is pretty good, although it's heavily flawed. But uh, that is probably the best singular story I've read of Rachel Ghoul since okay. the original. Oh so wow! I'm talking thirty years later. You know what I mean? <laughs> I read it, and I was like, that was pretty good. But it's still, it's not great. But well, uh, what it is is that. Uh, Batman covers up all of the Lazarus pits on Earth, but in doing so, he creates a sort of feedback of some kind that okay. raises all of the dead that have ever died on Earth, including all of the animals. So you oh, see wow. this like churning sea of like crazy dinosaurs and weird zombie whales, and uh, That's interesting. yeah, it's it's cool. And then you know the, I, oh. won't, I won't reveal how he uh, <laughs> fixes it, but I will reveal it all ends up okay. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> so uh, I. I do understand though. I, it's a character I I do like him, but just just way overused. He should have been more of a background. Like it should have been more when he appears. You you are supposed to be like, oh no, yeah, and not like, <laughs> oh so what? Uncle Uncle Rache is back. <laughs> and it comes it comes off like, you know, we ha- you have a lot of like new writers coming to new properties and stuff, and like they can't wait to tell their right. Rachel Ghoul story. Or, right. And this is gonna go for a lot of the people we discuss here today, or a lot of the characters we discuss. Yeah, it's like. The, the the new writer comes on and they've just got they're chomping at the bit to tell to give their take on certain characters, and it feels like every time a new new writer comes on they need to put their fingerprint on on Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, it's uh, the same because I, I was kind of wavering after after the Brian Azzarello run on Batman I dropped it. Um, uh-huh. Brian Azzarello actually made me drop Batman and Superman within a year. So wow, go good work, good work. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> I came back when Morrison came in. Okay. And then had had a great time with the first four or five issues of his run, and then Rajal Ghoul shows up, and it's, it's like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah, but it, you know, once he dumps off Damien, but then they sort of always still mixed in there, you know. He's just there. Yeah, he's, he's in the background in. constantly. It's you know, it's you're right. It's it would not just with Batman, with every character. Uh, I wish more writers would treat it like a video game where you got to go through the mini bosses. There you before, go. Before you hit the big boss, you know everyone. You know they, they everyone <laughs> wants to write the Joker. Everyone wants to yep. write Doctor Doom, and it's like maybe you should write a little bit of Stilt Man before you uh, head into that one. <laughs> yeah, do uh, do Diablo yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's start small with this. Um, the next one. This one's controversial. I know between the two of us is uh, the Punisher, <laughs> a character I could never. Give a crap about he debuted in the Amazing Spider-Man number one twenty-nine, February nineteen seventy-four cover date, and uh, to me, number one, this is not a hero. Period. No, he's, he's he's killing people. That's that's not and with bullets even. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's flat out not he. And I've heard the word anti-hero. I'm like, 
fine, you want to make that a word, but he's not he's not anything heroic, you know what I mean? He's just a murderer, yeah. whether he kills the right people or not, that's to me is not what I read comics for. I read comics for the the total fantasy of a person that pathologically will not kill, you know? Uh <laughs> I love the guy's T-shirt. I, I won't deny that. Great costume. <laughs> but he's, he's just a ripoff of this, of, you know, Death Wish. And uh, he's been around, like, there's so many, so many volumes of Punisher. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to me, this is a well that was tapped dry a long time ago. They even went deeper with the Angel of Death Punisher, that thing oh, from the late the 90s. Angel of Vengeance, yeah. Um, First uh, miniseries from Marvel Knights that starred him, yeah. They should have Ugh. known then we have run out of ideas for Punisher. Like, you know, <laughs> like that was the writing was on the wall. We have Didn't now. They just turned him into Frankenstein too, or was they, that? <laughs> they did. That that was that was. I, I don't know if that was in that same run or was it the volume after? Because like they, that was fairly recent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it was it was right after we we actually did a uh, episode talking about it. So I remember we did a little research into uh, different Frank iterations. Castle, yeah. Punisher, so I think that was like a 2004-ish or something like that, but uh, hmm. I mean, you know, that's, that stuff is I like stuff like that better than once again, here's another story, it's Frank Castle's gonna get revenge by against the mob, yeah. pumping bullets in everybody again, everybody, here we go again everybody, uh, although I bet now he works for S.H.I.E.L.D., I can't deny it, he probably does. Oh, I'm sure, he he, I'm sure he's Shield way up in S.H.I.E.L.D. Now. Yeah. And we'll get to them. Yeah, we are gonna get to them. Uh, what do you got next, Chris? Uh, keeping it marvelous here. Uh, there are a couple of stories, a couple of story themes in Uncanny X-Men or X-Men in general that I don't like. And one of them is X-Men in space, but there's really no character I can point to for that. Yeah. But uh, another one is anytime the X-Men deal with the damn Morlocks. Uh-huh. Hate the Morlocks. Their first appearance, Uncanny X-Men 169, May 1983, cover date. The Morlocks are those, uh, like, the ugly mutants that live in the sewers. Yeah. And, and they don't take any of your guff either, as I recall. No, no, they sure don't. You know, they sure don't. They, they, don't they like lose you a lot. Surface dwelling, you know, jerks <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And early into my X Men fandom, there was a story that was called the Last Morlock story, and it was uh like Uncanny X Men like two ninety two, two ninety three ish. Yes. And I was so happy <laughs> that they were gone. I'm like, oh great, they're gonna be there. There's no more Morlock crap because that's when I used to believe. Comics were what they told me they were going to well, be. Well, you were very naive back then, I think. I was very naive, very, <laughs> very wide-eyed innocent. I'm going to guess that wasn't the last Morlock story. No, 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 no. I, I don't even think it would be in the latter half at this point. <laughs> I think but, they came uh, back as Morlock's Avengers later on. That oh. was how. <laughs> <laughs> the Underworld Avengers. The Underworld Avengers. Uh, I think we gave them an idea, but uh, the uh, they, they're just they're very samey too, and and it's funny because like a lot of these characters. My hatred or dislike for them just comes out of boredom. Yeah, uh, it's it's not that you know uh, on the face of it they're you know something I don't want to look at, but the stories that come with them are just so dull and so samey. It's like someone gets kidnapped by the Morlocks, the X Men go and save them, I mean, or or yeah. or like when they start to work together, it's like somebody kidnapped a Morlock and the X Men have to save them for the Morlocks. The other and way it's, around, it's, it's, oh. it's either one or the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a concept, and they had, the DC have their underworlds too. Uh, they have the underworlders, the yeah. The underworlders, and, and, and actually in uh, Batman, I, this probably isn't canon in the New 52, but Anne Nocenti introduced this underworld in Gotham that went like four, like, stories? It was insane. I, I, can't, <laughs> even, I can't even get into it. Maybe that thing probably isn't canon anymore. They also had uh, underworld. It's 
it's sort of a concept, you know, far be it for me to denigrate Chris Claremont, but it's not the most original. And uh, I'm not— you, Wait, you're saying that Chris Claremont drew, drew, drew inspiration from something that was already in, in the ether? Maybe sometimes, sometimes. Maybe? Maybe, maybe it was a coincidence at times, but— uh, <laughs> I, I know he invented the brood before Alien. Right, right? sure, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the, the, the Imperial Guard before Legion. Oh, and yeah. And the Starjammers yeah. before Star Wars. He had it so. in mind uh, all yeah. that before that came. He was like, damn it, they took my idea. No, uh, you know, this is like, you know, but but actually my problem with it, though, and I'm not super familiar with the Morlocks. I, I've read issues with them, but uh, they don't take it far enough. You know what I mean? They, they To me, they're just like a bunch of, of punks living in the, in, the, in the underworld. You know what I mean? Like, yep. give me more. Give me a society. Give me like, give me weird, uh, you know, total recall type. <laughs> gross out mutate. There are some gross out characters, but give me more of that. Give me like mm. uh, more, you know, more chud type action. So, but it, <laughs> I, I definitely don't have the, uh, the enough experience to feel sure the re- really either way about them. So I'm going to take, I'm going to have to accept your anger and uh, <laughs> take that. And uh, here's, here's what I know we are in oh. total agreement on, but I, I think we actually are. We also feel the same way about why they're so disappointing. Uh, this is the Great Lakes Avengers. They first appeared in West Coast Avengers number 46, July 1989. This is Marvel's uh, unlikely heroes, right? The uh, mm-hmm. Flat Man, we got Immortal Man, uh, Big Squirrel Bertha, Girl, Big Bertha. Uh, um, Tera- the pterodactyl thing. Ter- that's right. Uh, and that, yeah. that they rotate a couple of weirdos out. They, they, God, they've had like four or five volumes of this comic. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. And this is something... Chris, I think we both, you know, we both like JLI. Mm-hmm. We both like funny comics. I'm a huge sure. fan of silly comics. We 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 like, you know, unlikely teams. There's a lot to say that I should be liking this, but I've never, they've never had a good issue, ever. It never landed. No. Never landed. It's never been funny. I've never laughed at one solitary page. <laughs> and I, and I got to tell you, in, in in a rare case, I've read every comic. I, they fooled Probably, me every sure. time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, <laughs> actually, wait a second. Let me let me let me correct that. I've read comics from every volume. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a little more like it. I probably read the first six, the the first mini, but mm-hmm. uh, every every other time I probably read two or three. I've been like, why is this so not funny? And it's like every opportunity for for a gag is just missed. And you know, there, there's this forced. Uh, uh, relationship stuff that just does not fit in. This should be a goofy comic, and like I say, it's yeah. it's it's had four volumes. They had one not too long ago, like two years ago. That was horrible. I got sucked in again after after reading the West Coast Avengers, and I, I love that run of West Coast Avengers, but yeah. the, but the Great Lakes stuff is garbage. Um, I, and I actually like you know when Byrne changed the vision to, into the white outfit. I, I I dug all that stuff, uh, which was right around this time, but. I got sucked back in with a. It was called GLA, and it had a very. It, it, the, the logo looked like JLA, right. like the that was going on at the late '90s, uh, turn of the century. And uh, I got sucked back in with that, and and it was more garbage. It's just so much. It's so much missed opportunity. It, it just comes off as as really flat and stale, uh, where it should be funny, but it, it falls into the uh, what I like to call funny haha. It's like this is the stuff that you can you could post this panel on Twitter and people will be like ah that's hilarious right yeah but then yeah. you read it and it's garbage yeah I, I, I guess there's something to that like there's some visual jokes Flatman like goes in through a mail slot or whatever nonsense or yeah. everyone, everyone always mistakes him for Mister Fantastic as the gag yep. but yep. Uh, 
I mean, I, here I am saying it and not laughing. So it's not. It's, no. just, it's just not that funny. And uh, but and I. And that's their whole. That's their whole premise. That they they are there to be funny. Yeah. And and it's it fails on every level. I, I'll be honest. I find more joy in, in an issue of Captain Karen and his zoo crew. I honestly do. For sure. You know what I mean, like that's like that's <laughs> that's what it is up front. That it's 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 funny on the, on the, a little kid level. Whereas like it's got Great, heart. Great yeah. Lakes Avengers has it's it's just nothing to. It. And it does feel like it was put together like with post-it notes. You know, like yeah. what what are some Marvel characters we haven't used in a while? You know, so let's do the uh, let's do the next two as a group. What do you say? Okie dokie. We've got. Uh... All right, now this one uh, we've said controversial. This a few is times, controversial. But, uh, this is going to be controversial. Yeah, probably will. Thor is a bore. Is. I am not a fan of Thor. Uh, Thor first made his first appearance in Journey into Mystery number eighty-three back in August nineteen sixty-two. Uh, this is a character I've wanted to like because you know he's he's one of the stir, the straws that stir the drink in Marvel. I, I've wanted to like him. Right. Um, I've tried the Stan and Jack. Bored that bored me to tears. Yes. Um, I tried the the vaunted Walt Simonson run. Also bored me to tears. Uh, it's got some cool visuals. Visually, like, it's unbelievable, though. I mean, it's for sure. It's, for sure. You know, especially if you are digging in the bins and catching. They that, stand out. That's something worth getting for a buck just on the art alone. You know, it really for is sure. staggering. But yeah, I, I yeah. agree. It's it's sleepy time. And, and yeah, I mean, I can name the uh, you know like the Thor Frog and Beta sure. Ray Bill, you know the stuff that everybody can name about that run. I thought that stuff looks great, but it's dull. Uh, I tried the Eric Masterson stuff where uh, you know where Thunderstrike was Thor for a bit. Um, I, I, he's just so dull. I, I think probably the most interesting story was the uh, was probably the recent Jane Foster thing where she. Goes into remission when she turns into Thor. I thought that is an interesting conceit. Not enough to read it. Yeah, you're already <laughs> but, turned off to the character, but you're right. Uh, yeah. Before that was also uh, Jason Aaron, and I forget who the artist was, but he was great. The sad Ribic. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I mean, and it was like it was like every page was like almost. Oh, it was painting, painting off of the uh, Metropolitan yeah. Museum of Art, but snooze. It's it, this is one of those things where when you've given it this many shots, and I didn't read the Thunderstrike run. Uh, I have an omnibus of of the um, Simonson Simonson that that I've yeah. gone through, and I've I've looked at a lot of the stack, Stan and Jack. I actually did the, that first uh, appearance with uh, Jim on his show several months back on one of his <laughs> many billions of five and five podcasts. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that's when you realize this character doesn't work for me. It's not happening. Uh, I like the character better in the movies than I like him in in the comics, and uh, I don't love him in the movies either. But it's like. <laughs> Like, I'd have to take your word for that. I know, but he's, you know, he's got a little sense of humor to him. It's, whereas, like, you know, Thor has worked great for for Stan Lee's very uh, emollient, you know, florid prose that he wrote. Sure. But it, it doesn't do anything for me as a character. And the next one is similar, although from the other side, but, you know, a same, same kind of thing. You want to let, him, let us know who that is. Well, one more thing about Thor oh, is uh, the uh, I I only really liked one run, and it was a uh, or, or, or one little bit of a run actually. It was a uh, with with Heroes Return. It was a uh, Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr. Oh, they they told probably like the first six seven issues of their run was uh, really really good and really engaging for me, uh, which shocked the hell out of me because wow. I picked it up on a lark. Uh, it was, I, I was like I said, I, I, I was, like I've said many times, I, I was a Marvel zombie for a very long time. I bought everything, yeah, everything with a Marvel logo on it. And uh, despite you know not caring for Thor, I was still buying it. 
Huh. But uh, <laughs> the uh, this one of the issues there was uh, basically a morning shock jock talking about Thor hmm. and mocking Thor and uh, Thor's reactions to this and listening to this to this uh this like the whole the whole show is like a narration throughout the whole issue and he's taking he's going through his regular day but this narration from the shock jock is still going it's a really uh, Really clever issue. You were, um, you were like uh, mocking Thor. I can get on board with that. I, I like that. that. <laughs> I can do thine that. <laughs> but uh, jumping over to our next one, it's uh, Raven from the Teen Titans, uh, and also you know by proxy we have Trigon as well. Yeah. Uh, Raven made her first appearance. DC Comics presents number twenty six in the Teen Titans bonus book, and that was October nineteen ninety cover date. Raven is another one trick. Another, uh, it's always the same now, this thing. This one is, uh, is controversial because you are a well-known, very big New Teen Titans fan. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, it's, a huge it's fan. Part of my stu- study, yes. Um, but here, here is a an outlier of just a character you could never uh, like. This is this is a character to me. What that? What is she about? Except that she's Trigon's daughter. That's it. That's it. That's all there is to her. And and she she flies into every disaster scene to help one person and get taken out of the fight. Yeah, and then she, she gets knocked out. She teleports yeah. them there, and then for some reason can't do anything else. And it's like, well, then mm-hmm. what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, she uses her empathic powers on one person, and then she faints. Yeah. It, it's every every time she's out. And, you know, there's a, there's a Raven miniseries or a maxi series going on right now where – the entire first half of it is about the fact that she is the daughter of Trigon the Terrible, and that's every time she shows up. It's about how she's the daughter of Trigon the Terrible. The second half of that arc is about Night Force, and makes me wish we'd go back to talking <laughs> about Trig- how she's the daughter of Trigon the Terrible. You know, think about uh, it now, you know, the, the whole thing with her dealing with Trigon, that was really her first big, you know, moment. That's what brought the Titans back together. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, she, you know, she, the world almost was going to be subsumed by, you know, Trigon. And this was a huge, uh, you know, world ending event and they fought back from it. And that really was the time to put Trigon away. You Forever. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, cause it's, it's like, you, we could talk about a million characters like this doomsday Bane, you know, these characters are supposed to be the one time cataclysmic, you know, everything, everything has changed after them. But when you keep bringing them back, you have diminishing returns. And now it's like, I saw Trigon, you know, at the Starbucks getting a latte. Like, what, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, what the hell's a damn difference? Who the, it's like, oh, are you back again to ruin the world? Okay, whatever. You know, it must oh, be Tuesday. Yeah, hit, hit the Trigon alarm. You're back. <laughs> but uh, it, even in issues that, and this is one thing that I love and hate about the Wolfman Titans, is that he... Always make sure to give everybody panel time. Everybody matters yes. in that. It's not like a huge ensemble cast where you're all, like like today's Titans or a few years ago's Titans anyway, right. where it's like okay, Starfire was in the background of one panel. That was you know it, she didn't you know. say anything, but she was there. But yeah. Wolfman made it work by always having a little bit of a feature on every character. And with Raven, it was always her sitting on a craggy out a craggy rock outspur uh, in cosmic space in Azeroth. It's every or, single time or, talking or about how just sitting in her room and someone knocks on the door and they're like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "I have to be alone." And they're like, "All right, all right, later, <laughs> see you later." And then and, uh, a thought bubble comes and I am the daughter of Trigon. It's basically like every scene, I, the early ones especially. I read a crossover with the the New Titans and the uh, and Batman and the Outsiders this week, and there's part of it where they go back to uh, the Outsiders' headquarters. 
And Halo, you know, bubbly Halo, uh-huh. who doesn't know what she is, takes Raven into her bedroom. And Raven's like, wow, this is such a happy bedroom. Something that was robbed from me in my childhood. <laughs> what are you doing? It's like to Stop. Put a pin in it. You know what I mean? Like, we don't oh. bring that up every single time. It's not, <laughs> it's not good uh, conversation. Yeah, it's really, it really is. She, you know, it's she's a gimmick character. She is the transport. Sure. She's there, you know, and she's that's all she is. She ends up being for them. So it's too it's bad. True. But uh, moving on is one that uh, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this personally. I want to mm-hmm. just mention that really. I, this really doesn't fit. Not a character I hate. It's Deadpool. Uh, first appeared in New Mutants ninety eight, February ninety one. Um, just so overdone you know what i mean i i you know i remember i i was picking up deadpool for a little while i was laughing then there was like another deadpool comic then there was like two two deadpools coming out a month then the movie i was like all right i'm done with that um, i'm done I, I am complete i am now completed my tour of duty with deadpool uh and i, I haven't wanted to go back i mean there's been there's, i think now there's two or three deadpool series going on uh, and and I haven't gone back. I think I think it's a funny character, but come on, you know. I yeah. mean, you talk about you just scraping the bottom of that barrel right there. It's too wait, way, way, way too much. And uh, I, I did really appreciate the uh, Joe Kelly run. Um, even yeah. the uh, Christopher Priest run was pretty good too. Uh, but uh, Joe they... Kelly, Joe Kelly should get part ownership of this character because he's the oh one yeah, hundred percent. Made Deadpool into the dead, the wacky into one what he is. Know him is. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Joe Kelly de- definitely deserves a credit for uh, for the creation there. But uh, it, it's it's like they don't know what they had with him during the during the I want to say like early two thousands. Like right. he would be he'd have his own book, and then he'd be the villain in Wolverine. <laughs> they didn't know what to like. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't know what they they wanted to have it both ways, and then uh, I remember they brought Liefeld back for a little bit, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and then he had his own take, which didn't have anything to do with any of the takes going on, and then they put him in the they put him in the in the toy box for a little bit, which was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know they took him off the table, but then ever since uh, they had that uh, horrible it was a Daniel Way I think uh, relaunched it, and. Ever since, it's just been every month having at least two or three Deadpool books. Yeah. Uh, Brian Posehn, a comedian, also co-wrote a little He did bit. the Marvel Now, yeah. Right, when I, when they yeah. came in, and, and uh, that was all right. But even by then, I was already starting to get— Well, and that, that one brushes up against something that we're going to discuss in a little bit. He came back, and he had like—he was like—had like an attachment to a spirit during that, and it uh, was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. <laughs> because everything had to tie into oh, damn shield. Oh yes, that's the modern Marvel era, the old oh, good old garbage. shield. But, uh, uh, I do agree with you that he is overused. Uh, when he's used right, he's pretty good. Uh-huh. But, uh, I wouldn't mind when, you know, putting him in the toy box for a few years, which they, do, they don't do that anymore with any characters. No, they sure they, don't. They all they sure are don't. out at all times. Putting some of these guys away can go a long way to like... And then like you could take him out at a time that you could use somebody... That mm-hmm. is, you know, fearless, unkillable. What are all of his traits? Uh, as it is now, it's like Deadpool went to the store and he fell in a vat of acid, and, and then a mm-hmm. truck ran over him and died, ah, but he's fine. Ta da! You know, that's a Deadpool yep. story. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. That's about right. <laughs> um, oh, you got your trophy fellas. Yeah, these are ones that uh, I, I really can't point to one character in general, but uh, anytime they bring in zombies or robots, 
I check out. Now, that's uh, not 100% true. Right? Most you, of the, there are some most robots you like. I like the Vision. Yeah, the Vision's okay. Red Tornado's all right. All right. But, uh, like, when it's, like, when you're fighting an army of robots right. or an army of zombies, I'm just done. Uh, there's no stakes for me. It's you, you kill something so it's more dead, or you kill something so, so it's broken and it can be rebuilt. Yeah. And a lot of those, they fall into the funny haha, where it's like, hey, here's a really funny, th- here's Captain America as a zombie crying out for brains or patriotic brains. Who gives a crap? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just can't do it. I mean, it, 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 robots to me is, uh, I like better, although the same thing, the problem is the stakes are lower. Zombies is something, you know, again, it's got to be used sparingly. We are in sort oh, yeah. of, I, they say we're on the, we, we are, you know, zombies are no longer hot. You couldn't tell me from looking at all the crap out there with zombies in oh, it, you know. Oh, Lord, God, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I do, I do like the idea, but again, sparingly, you know. Night, Night yeah, Little Dead is actually one of my favorite, uh, that's a, that's an old Reggie family movie from when I was very young. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, and, and that Marvel Zombies thing sucked. Garbage. So, <laughs> Garbage. That's what I have to say about that. I like Blackest Night better, which is sort of DC's answer to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Although those weren't really zombies, technically, who knows what the heck. They were Black Lanterns, Who yeah. knows what really is. Same the, thing, but. <laughs> and some of them weren't even, like, actually for, reconstituted people. They were, like, you know, projections or whatever. But so when the But when Blackest Night ended, they all went away. They all went away, exactly. <laughs> you know, we weren't enough to hang out with the zombies forever. We, so. didn't, we didn't have zombified Terry Long anymore. He was just gone. You know, it's the same thing with the, but I was thinking about Manhunters, you know what I mean? Like, the idea of the, <laughs> the idea of the Manhunters just drains totally away when you're like... Oh, sure. I think, come to think of it now, think about it, the... Uh, uh, who the hell are the Dark Stars are the same way. These are both, like, both Green Lantern robot Villains well, the dark, like, stars have, uh, they, the dark stars did have the dark stars did have people in uh, there, humans, right? Yeah. But, but those people yeah. are like done once they're uh, once they're in the thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're they're, they're veritable zombies. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you know this. It's just a gimmick just to make people killable. Make make it so you can have a high body count without having to actually like deal with the fallout of people actually dying. So yeah, I admit it's lame. Uh, just real quick, I want to talk about. Uh, Something that, that maybe Chris can actually help me out with, to be honest sure. with you. Uh, I had a problem, you know, as I've talked about before, I walked away from comics in the early 90s when there was a, sort of a changeover in art styles and everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things, obviously, I walked away from, and this was where a lot of the art change was happening, was the new was the Mutants titles. And since then, most of the mutants I've heard that are created from the 90s, Chris, suck. Right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong about this? A lot this? of them do. They, of there, them is, do. there are some stupid ass mutants. Like, what the hell was going? It's like they should be on the Great Lakes Avengers. Some of these guys, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, somebody, you got to help me. Out. Maggot. What is Maggot, what's this thing? Maggot was in. He was kind of interesting, actually. Uh, at least the way that it's another one that I can't remember if it was Joe Kelly or or, uh, or Siegel uh, who came in to do the because Kelly and Siegel took over the X books after Lobdell left. Lobdell introduced Maggot as just some big blue guy, and uh, who had like these kind of bio nasty bugs, uh-huh. like a pair of bugs. Uh, I think I want to say it was Joe Kelly, but it might not have been. It might have been Stephen T. Siegel, but uh, he made it so Maggot's bugs were actually his digestive system. Uh-huh. So, like, he wouldn't eat through his mouth. He, he would eat through these bugs, and then the bugs would go inside of him, and he would absorb the nutrients. It was kind of interesting and kind of like a because you know the X Men they you have to have the angst, you have to have you know my you know my power, my curse. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I, I don't know what the maggots would have done otherwise. <laughs> I mean, That's making me sick to hear about it, Chris. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, are they going to have it sit on Magneto's head until it dissolves the entire uh, thing? I don't know, know how how good that is in battle. Oh, but, uh, yeah, really. Well, how did that come into come into use? You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> he should have been a Morlock. Basically, what is he? He throws he, he throw that guy into battle, and everyone throws up on themselves, and then uh, that's <laughs> a distraction. Good lord! What about help me out with skin? What's, well, what's... Skin was one of the—he was one of the original members of Generation X, uh, and uh, his whole thing was that he had a whole lot of extra skin that stretched. Uh, we met him during a Cosmic Treadmill episode a, a while back. I think uh, Andrew, Andrew from Belfast, had uh, recommended that or had asked us to uh, cover Generation X number one, and we right. went through that. Um, he was a neat character uh, in that you know he was kind of. Uh, it was another one. He's got angst. My power, my curse type thing where he was very unhappy that he looked the way he did because he's got all this gray skin hanging from him. Yeah, right. He looks, uh, looks gross as hell. He's ugly, yes. And uh, his legacy, unfortunately, is uh, being laid in an, uh, in a grave with the wrong name on it because Chuck Austin didn't do his research. Uh, so, well, my uncle yeah, has the same well power. He got his stomach stapled. Now he's got the same thing, so that's nice. <laughs> uh, and and uh, just lastly, I'm going to, you know, this is this is the big controversy, but Cable. Okay, and really a lot of, yes. I, I, in my mind, I lump Cable in with every character. You could just say every character created by Rob Liefeld, or 95% of them, because they're Very all interchangeable, they all suck, they all wear wrestling headgear for some reason. <laughs> and uh, Cable's just a guy with a gun. I mean, I know now he's got like a much more interesting story, mm-hmm. but they kind of pin that onto him. As, as a visual, I always hated him, and I hate that glinting eye. Sure. I don't like him. What, what, what's your take? What, what, do you, what do you have to tell me about him? Cable was rough early on. Um, I liked Cable when they made him like the the softer, kinder Cable. Mm. But that might as well have been a whole new character uh, because it was such a staggering change. Um, Joe Casey wrote him for a little while. A a guy named Robert Weinberg came in to write him as well and really humanized him. uh, him, When we did Age of Apocalypse, that was probably the best Cable I ever read. You know, and even that wasn't that, even cable. That was X Man. Oh, that was, but you know, it was, it was, you know, <laughs> a, after, a version of them. You know, yes. But, after Age of Apocalypse, probably I want to say 1997 through 2000 ish. It was this uh, really fun run by uh, Joe Casey and uh, what's his name, Ladrone. Very Kirby ish uh, art style uh, from Jose. I think it was Jose Ladrone. And then Michael Weinberg came in and made him even more human. Uh, he had a relationship with a human. Uh, it was. Very, uh, very good storytelling, but at the end of the day, it might as well have been a whole different character yeah. uh, than, than the cable we met back in New Mutants and uh, leading up to, like, Executioner's Song. Actually, uh, it, it's true, and more and more recently in, like, the 21st century, I've seen him farting around in Marvel books, and he is, like, he's someone, I, I, my memory of him when he first came out was he couldn't even talk, he was just so angry shooting all the time, you know what I mean? He was just... <laughs> he had- he had all those teeth in his head. I don't, I don't think his mouth opened. His teeth were just kind of, <laughs> grew more teeth on top of teeth. Um, and it was just like just a guy with like, why do you have so many freaking, why do bullets exit your gun five ways? I don't know, you know, one one hole is usually enough. How are you holding it that way? How are you holding it? How do you hold a gun this bigger than you? I don't really understand. Uh, why do you have five triggers? So, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> when, but at what Weinberg was building up, because they the X-Men stories had promised that they were leading somewhere for the turn of the century. It was going to be 
the revelation of the 12, which uh, was something that was name dropped back in like the mid to late eighties and, uh, had a lot to do with like Franklin Richards and stuff, but they dropped all of that and made it something totally different. Uh, Weinberg was, was helming the cable cable book and it was all leading to this last man standing only one walks away battle between cable and apocalypse. And this was being pushed for seemingly years. I, I mean, I was ta- I was very dialed into, like I said, Usenet, things like Wizard right. Magazine, and this was something they were building to. Well, they get to it. Weinberg is kicked off the book. Mm-hmm. Rob Liefeld is brought back and tells a story for this big knockdown drag out with Apocalypse that starts and ends with Cable chained to a wall. So it's like the issue didn't even need to exist. Right. And nobody to this day has accepted writing credit for that issue. <laughs> yeah. It's cable number 75. Oh, that's hilarious. Nobody has accepted writing writing credit on that. And uh, They just they, brought Rob in for a sales boost, do you think? Or do you think yes, he just like yeah. it, it, yeah, they, you know, some deal came, was made? Yeah, because yeah, they brought him in to do – he did a run on cable. He did stuff on Deadpool, and he did a run on Wolverine. And uh, in that Wolverine, Deadpool was the villain. You know, it's funny. That's so. that's two that's two Liefeld characters on my list that really I, I like them a lot better after he stopped. After doing, he got you know off. I mean, yeah. I, I like I, I admit, Cable is. I still think he's he's a little doofy as far as the character design, but I do understand that he is more of a uh, like well, say, a kinder, a, a useful yeah. person, a hero. You know, instead of just like a guy spitting bullets out from left and right. And, and he was also part of like my first ever. Uh, you know, comic gossip that actually paid off because that's, you know, people were going, you know, your cable was, you know, Scott's son from, you know, Uncanny X-Men 201. And, and we're thinking like, uh, because we were brand new, me and my buddies were like, like Cyclops has a son. (laughs) We didn't know any of that. And uh, when it finally paid off, we actually felt like we were on the ground floor or something. It was like, wow, you know, we heard that somewhere, but, uh, and this was before internet was a huge thing, but, these days, I couldn't tell you what Cable's doing because I, I think he's he's probably on at least two teams of the X Men. He's probably on two teams of the Avengers. Oh yeah, I, he's probably a high ranking official in Shield. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he what does. He does that. everything. Yeah, he's he's yeah. everybody and everything now. Uh, they got a movie coming out for him too, so expect oh, to see some more Cable coming out for Marvel. And what, why don't you pick one of the last two, Will, and we'll start to uh, wrap this up here. <laughs> Well, another one of our tropes on the show is uh, my love for Terry Long. Right. Uh, Terry Long, it's it's weird. I think I'm going through like some sort of Stockholm syndrome with him. It's like I'm actually when he's when he shows up in in a background of a panel, I'm like, hey, it's Terry. Yeah. You know? It's like, what the hell's wrong with me? You don't like him, but he's familiar to you. You know, he's like he's like, like your first day at high school, and you're like, ah, I yeah. don't like you in junior high, but uh, we're buddies. But you, you, yeah, I know your face. <laughs> I, I can sit next to you. But uh, he made his first appearance in New Teen Titans number eight. That was June 1981 cover date, and we actually covered the life and times of Terry Long back on the Cosmic Treadmill. I yeah. think it was episode 71. I want no, no, no. 71 was uh, Star Brand. Somewhere in the 70s, I believe we covered. Okay. Uh, Covered uh, the life and times of Terry Long with a focus on his wedding to uh, Donna Troy. But uh, his whole character was just very uh, off-putting, very creepy. Um, he, he's very, very, uh, I, I don't know how else to put it, but but off-putting. <laughs> Disquieting. It's, it's, I, I wonder if that was, was on purpose, because he does sort of fit an 80s archetype of like, 
a creepy college professor. You know what I mean? Who's also the Alan Alda sensitive man type deal. He's got he's got some of that. I I mean I just don't know exactly what what Marv Wolfman's uh, you know his his intentions and his inspiration was for that character because he kind of strikes me as like you know he reminds me of um God I cannot if I can't Marv Wolfman. No, 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 the, uh, the character Terry Long. Uh, yeah, Marv Wolfman? In a way, actually, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> for one thing, not far off, although Marv Wolfman, not a curly-haired fella, so that's, uh, there's that. No, no red, yeah. And, uh, not red, well, kind of, you know, maybe, but a um, little reddish. <laughs> but there's a character, God, I, I just can't remember his name, but uh, a character in a, in a movie that's just very much like that, and bearded also, and I wonder if that was the inspiration uh, maybe Elliot Gould had something to do with it, like we've said. Yes, maybe. Uh, I've, 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 the joke I always say is that Chris just hates curly-haired men. That's his problem. Yes. So, you know, anytime he sees them, he has no trust for them. No. And uh, that's... But I, I do think you've... I think, I think after doing your blog and doing our episode, you've kind of come out the other end on Terry Long. You, the two of you have a sort of, agree, you know... Tenuous a begrudging agreement. respect. A begrudging <laughs> respect, you know. Uh, and, you know, for what it's worth, Terry Long, on his own volition, even though everyone thought it was going to happen, uh, you know, throughout the Teen Titans, he never really turned, right? No. Uh, no. Is, there was a time, isn't he, isn't he tied up in that Millennium thing? No, no, no. That no. was uh, Rudolph West, uh, another right. bearded man. So, that was uh, Wally's go. father. But, uh, but Terry's whole thing was... Uh, that Donna drove him away right. uh, by by bringing in the Team Titans. They had their farm destroyed uh, by villains. Uh, their their child was uh, was you know in jeopardy because the child from the future came back and tried to try to kill the mother. It, it, a lot of weird well, stuff. Well, he, he wanted her to quit. That was the thing. He he thought he wanted Donna to, to to retire and she yeah. would retire and she was like, she no, wouldn't. no, this is my thing. So that that was their. But you know, the whole time reading it, uh, even even you know when I first ever looked at it, I keep waiting for the moment of Terry Long to go into the Secret to, room and contact yep. his master. You know, and that never happens. Called Deathstroke, yeah. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and maybe that's part of what your feeling is too. You see, like, you know, as as much as it grossed me out, he and Donna had like a normal relationship. Nothing bad really happened there. He wasn't beaten there. He wasn't doing anything crazy. So I can't. You can't hate the guy too much for that. But You're the next guy, yeah. I definitely, uh, you know, and I think I think the next guy was on purpose. <laughs> Danny Chase. Mm-hmm. First appearance, New Teen Titans Annual, Volume 2, Number 3. Uh, he gets compared a lot to Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, and he, he looks a lot like him, Absolutely, too. Absolutely, yeah. uh, He is... It's weird, because like they have... When Jump the Shark used to be a thing, I don't even know if it still is a thing. I don't know if people who listen might even know what that is anymore. I don't even know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's when a TV show goes bad. And uh, one of the... Uh, Tropes is the Cousin Oliver effect, where a show is starting to lose ratings and people aren't watching anymore, so uh-huh. they introduce a new character, a cute kid, or they have a kid. And so they did that on the Brady Bunch with Cousin Oliver, and mm-hmm. they seemed to do that in Teen Titans with Danny Chase. Only Danny Chase was, like, the most revolting thing on the planet. There was more He's... to it, though, too. Like, he, you know, it turned out to be a much larger story arc with him. You know, there was, there was a, a plan in the works with Danny. Yes. I think he was always supposed to be... Annoying. The, the reader yeah. was oh, never yeah. supposed to like. And temporary. Him. And temporary. And temporary. Uh, exactly. Because uh, he uh, he got kicked off the Titans uh, right after a death in the family when Jason Todd died. Uh, 
Nightwing and yeah, like we, the we rest. We can't have kids. Yeah, we can't. We can't do this. He was kids. away. Right. Yeah, he was away. He was away from. They were. They were fighting. No, what were they doing? They were doing the what, what is one? Who is Wonder Girl story? Okay. So they were facing off with gods, and I was falling asleep. <laughs> they came back, and uh, Nightwing finds out that Jason Todd died, and. Danny Chase makes this really obnoxious comment about how weak Danny, how weak Jason Todd must oh, have been, wow. or how bad a hero he was. And Nightwing like throws him up against the wall. It looks like he's going to beat the crap out of him, and then finally kicks him off the team. So uh, I don't he was need gone. you. I don't need the Titans. I don't need anybody. You know, it, yeah, it was I didn't ask to be born. What a jerk. Uh, but that was his thing. You know what I mean? You were definitely yeah. supposed to dislike him. So in a way. Whereas disliking Terry is just because of your bigotry against curly-haired men. Danny would have actually been an effectively, you know, annoying character. And uh, for sure, I gotta say, I mean, to to write a character that kind of annoying writing and not just for speaking <laughs> is pretty good. I gotta say, you did a good job. because yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't always just you know put your thumb over that his, his that panel if you don't want to look at it. Yes. Um, and now we're gonna wrap up. We talked about a little bit throughout. Uh, we kind of have different different but similar opinions on this one. Uh, For me, I don't want to see any more comic book organizations aside from S.H.I.E.L.D., who uh, debuted in Strange Tales 135, August 1965 cover date, or on the D.C. side, we can have Suicide Squad and Star Labs, and they can also go into Cadmus, and S.H.I.E.L.D. can also have maybe one other stepchild also, but... Hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's like 90 different groups running around. Now, you don't feel the same way about S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's, Let's talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. first. Shield back in the day is okay. Yeah. I don't mind Shield back in the day. After, very sparingly, because it was it yeah. was very sparingly. Uh, then Secret War happened. Singular. It was a Brian Bendis uh, story from the mid two thousands where they introduced a character named Maria Hill, right? Who uh, took over for Nick Fury and became the head of Shield. And from that point on, Maria Hill and Shield appeared in. I want to say 90% of Marvel's books every single well, th- week. That to me is 100% synergy with the movies. That's what that is. Uh, they, I, I believe it. Yeah, I, they, I, I, know, believe I know you have. I don't know what, you, what, what you've seen or not. I've not seen any of them. The Marvel yeah. movies hinge on S.H.I.E.L.D. essentially being the liaison between, like, not even just the government, but like between, like, normal humans and superheroes, you know? That, that's, that's not fun to read. Um, it, it's, it just goes on, you know what I mean? It's... The, the thing when, about... I, when when something when when something is coming to destroy New York, right? And Captain America has to stop everything. Call Maria Hill yes. and ask for permission yes. to act. That is stupid. kiss my ass with that. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that 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 negates. It's like, well, then this is just a an arm of the military. Uh, yeah. To, to me, when you bring in these government agencies in a, in mm-hmm. a story, it should denote something extra has happened. You know, yes. Spider-Man, not a typical uh, story, yeah. on his day-to-day, Spider-Man, he beats up the Scorpion, and he doesn't need to get anybody else involved. When a big thing happens, that's when you, you know, you call the cops, you call the, 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 <laughs> the, uh, the you know, Air Force, whatever. Uh, but now, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarriers, helica- I mean, that used to be such a huge thing. Oh, wow, the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier is coming in. It'd be like the Watcher and the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. There's something huge on the Something on the huge is, is happening. Now they might take the helicarrier out to the drive-in and go watch, uh, you know, <laughs> e- a rerun of E.T. or whatever. It's, 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 they've taken all the onus away from it. Uh, yeah. my, my only thing, like, I guess it doesn't have to be S.H.I.E.L.D., but pick mm-hmm. one. Stick with what you sure. know what I mean. There doesn't you know what I mean. I understand that that in the true government there are plenty of agencies 
But, but that's it, not fun to read about. It, not, it, it, <laughs> it confuses me in real life, so I don't need to be confused in my comic uh, about all of the different agencies. And real quick, just want to go through some of these because uh, it's just they go on and on. We got armor. That's altered reality monitoring uh, and operational rescue. That's a Marvel Zombies thing from number one, December two thousand eight. Marvel Zombies three. Um, really, not more to say. It's from Marvel Zombies, therefore it's stupid. Yep. Uh, <laughs> F I six from Excalibur forty nine, April ninety two cover, and then of course. M113 from New Excalibur 1, January 2006. It's like, just pick M- M16, right? Is that illegal? You, you can't get the rights to that? Look, what's wrong with you? You have to have two different fake M16s. Fake. Yeah. To pick, pick one fake X- M- M16. Uh, you want to go out and grab any of these? Uh, we got Hammer, H A M M E R, an acronym that. Does it stand for anything? Does it stand for anything at all that I know of? Yeah. <laughs> Secret Evasion number eight, January two thousand nine. We have O N E one, the Office of National Emergency. They showed up in House of M the day after January two thousand six. This is right after all the mutants lost their powers, uh-huh. and there were only one hundred eighty seven mutants left, and they were they became kind of like a protected species, and there were sentinels because this is the the O N E. They are like a sentinel squad, uh-huh. and they have. Uh, they had like the entire Xavier school surrounded by sentinels. Uh, it was lame. That could that could <laughs> really make that shield make that shield. Like what the hell? Right? You know what I mean? Like we've got to have another group, another uh, O N E. You know what I mean? And they just wanted oh, to yeah. use the word one as an acronym. That's all this. Like, that's all this is. They even had a they had a miniseries that was called Sentinel Squad One. Oh my God! Uh, why would you want to read a book like that? Yeah, really. That's uh, that really sounds like a manual to me. You know. Oh. Uh, still, still hanging at Marvel. We got uh, oh no, it's yeah, this is Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Stars, Superhuman Tactical Activities Response Squad. That was in Maximum Security number one, November two thousand. That was a Resident Evil group, and uh, one per customer. You know what I mean? Once they used it, they salted the ground. Don't <laughs> don't take it. And, and as I recall, like the the name of Stars Resident Evil isn't even that much different, right? Isn't it like it's not superhuman, but it's like. Tactical something response oh, something like this like it's not it's not that way off it's it's you know so it's like come on guys uh, and of course superhuman restraint unit Civil mm, oh War SRU one. yeah my favorite yeah uh, yeah superhuman restraint unit you mean like shield what can it just be shield why not shield Anti- like I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> and they they came from Civil War number one May right. two thousand six yeah so we also uh, have another another Sh- bad uh, origin location we- yeah. <laughs> We have SWORD, S-W-O-R-D. This is the Sentient World Observation and Response Department. They first appeared in Astonishing X-Men, Volume 3, Number 6, December 2004. This is a Joss Whedon thing. I was going to say, that was a Whedon thing, right? He it was, like, was. I'm not which, using S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm using and, this one, you know? <laughs> and and the thing about this is, I mentioned Maria Hill earlier. Around the same time, they, int- they introduced Abigail Brand, who ran SWORD, and then also... Uh, Victoria Hand, who ran another one of these things. I think it was the Magia. But they're the same character. They're just snarky women. With, it's, ver- it's, with very waspy names, too. What the hell's up yeah, with that? <laughs> and it's, and it, they're all very, very snarky. That's their entire character trait is snark. That's kind of why I was worried about Bendis coming on to Superman, because I was afraid that Lois was going to turn into a Maria Hill snark bot. Well, if you see Lois change her name to Eleanor Covington, then you know that something... <laughs> Something is going to change in that comic very drastically. 
the uh, very stupid one, WHO, the Weird Happenings Organization. That's another Claremont uh, magic piece. Excalibur 9, June 1989. It's just a shitty name, really. I mean, that's all I have to say about it. It just sucks. Yeah. Also, the World Health Organization might have something to say about yeah, that use, but prob- more likely, they don't know or care. They, they probably want the URL back. Uh, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to reveal this next. I'm not going to do the next one because that, that's one of my least ones. But what I definitely hate is the Magia. The Magia. The Magia? <laughs> I, what would one you of those. Soft or hard G with that? Uh, <laughs> Avengers 13, February 65. Just come on. It's the Mafia. Just say the Mafia. What's and I understand probably, you know, Stanley didn't want to say the Mafia because he actually was sure. dealing with the Mafia, but we got to do something better than the Magia. That sucks. You know what I mean? That's just <laughs> a lame cop out name, and uh, I don't, I'm not with it. I'm not, I'm not taking it. Uh, no. Now we're going to kick it over to DC. You started off, Chris. We got Apes, A P E S, All Purpose Enforcement Squad from Young Justice number one. That was September 1998. Now, this team, it might surprise you, but it's not actually comprised of uh, apes or gorillas or that's any symbiotes, really. Yeah, that's my main yeah. problem with it. What are you going to call an, an apes squad with no apes? When DC has plenty of sentient gorillas, I guess that's the other thing, too. It's like, I know there's no shortage. You yeah, know, you yeah they're Mala, there. They're you got Grodd, you got so many people that could be on it. But that, that's also an issue. That's a Peter David uh, story. Yes. And uh, he also introduced a. Fightin' Mad, a guy whose last name was Fight, F-I-T-E, and a guy whose last name was Mad, M-A-D-D. That's the same issue, so, uh, right? yeah. Yeah, so that is a... As we know, Peter David, Peter David loves, stuff. loves to name his stuff, you know, let me tell you. Silly, yes, very <laughs> silly. Uh, CBI, the Central Bureau of Intelligence, showed up in Teed Titans, Volume 2, Annual Number 3, 1987 was the year. Uh... Just use the CIA. There's nothing wrong with or that. The we, FBI. Well, or the FBI. Like you, you want to do both. Yeah. Like why? Why do? Why are we playing footsie with both these organizations? Just go. Just go with one. You've created a third organization <laughs> for no reason. It's ridiculous. <laughs> True. Uh, we got a checkmate. Now they uh, are from checkmate number one, April 1988. I, uh, it always bored me. I've never uh, understood uh, what the hell the deal is with these guys. Why they matter, or you know what I mean, like. What is the, it, what makes them different than whatever you know? So, anybody, yeah. Any, it, any it, other government agency? I don't really understand why they have a special. They had a long-running series too. I don't. A really, couple of them. It's yeah. so boring. I don't really understand. And they uh, and like they'd always bring like uh, their civilian characters or their civilian-ish characters, and they they put them in there like uh, Sasha Bordeaux, Batman's old uh, bodyguard, right, right, Bruce right. Wayne's old bodyguard. She joined up. Uh, Maxwell Lord showed up in there. I believe Vostok, um, Valentina Vostok, was in there for a minute. No, I, maybe. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. And and it would surprise. I'm actually surprised they haven't brought this one back because of how agency-like everything has become in comics. It's true. Where. I'm really surprised that, you know, in what, like Forever Evil, we didn't get a panel of Checkmate looking at a bank of monitors or something. But uh, I, it's a boring, dull. Dull, boring stuff. If they if Maybe they'll show up in one of the television shows, and then we'll get another run, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Chris, I'm just going to run down the last of these because we are running sure. a little long here. We got the DEO, Department of Extra Normal Operations, showed up Batman 550, January 1998. Are they really, I mean, is this really necessary in a world that already has the Suicide Squad, the superfluous thing? Uh, Nightwatch and Superman Batman number five and Stormwatch. That one at all. That, that was like uh, a secret policing agency just for Batman. 
in the government. It was it was very stupid. Uh, mm-hmm. Stormwatch one, 1993. This these folded into the DCU officially in 2011. For what reason? Like why? Another another group of guys that watch they watch reality, and the Justice League watches the Earth from a satellite. Just yeah. just give the the reality watching to the Justice League. You know, we'll uh, <laughs> consolidate. Hive, the hierarchy of international vengeance and extermination. New T Titans number two. December 1980. I don't care what anyone says. This is just DC trying to play uh, AIM, Marvel's AIM. You know, that, that's all that is to them. Yeah. Uh, Cobra Cult from Cobra 1, February 76. Uh, I only accept the lead via Cobra Commander from G.I. Like Joe. Cobra. That's it. Uh, also, another another boring one, like a superfluous group. You know what I mean? Like, you got the League of Assassins. I like the one guy. I like the one guy, Cobra. The the the, the, uh, the main guy, right? Yeah, the guy uh, who was called Cobra. The one who was Cobra. The rest of it is just like, I'm here's some, some dispensable guys. Uh, they've been, they've yep. showed up in Suicide Squad. And then the guy that's actually around, a team that's around now more recently is yep. Night Force. Uh, and I say Shade and Justice League Dark is probably too much, plenty. Uh, yeah, we don't need that many people on the fringes. These magic te- teams of magic esoteric yeah. types, we don't need that many, I think. So no. uh, that wraps it up. Sorry to come real fast at the end, but we are running, I think, longer than I'd like to be for this uh, type of a thing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a good time with it, and I bet we could come up with uh, other characters if we really plumbed the depths of our minds. Oh, know. I'm sure we could. I got to say, I had, I had a little trouble because a lot of characters, there are a lot that I'd like a lot. And then there are a lot that I don't really like, but I'm not really mad at. I don't really, you know what I mean? Like it was tough. Because to, a lot of them are just the, that they're boring. They're just boring. So it's, yeah, it's tough to work up an, an emotion about them. Uh, I'd like to do a list also of characters that we really love one day. How about that? I think we could do that. That'd be a nice sister uh, episode to this one. Sister, for sure. sister. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe in the near future we'll uh, try to come up with a, a list of the ones that really are meaningful to us and find yeah. out why. That would be a cool one. But uh, that will do us for this episode of Comics Talk. Uh, thanks again to Jeremiah for the suggestion. Uh, yes. You can go see his blog. He's got the best blog URL uh, on the internet. It's comicscomicscomics.blog. <laughs> so go check that out. It's easy to remember. And uh, thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, we hope, or patrons, uh, we hope you enjoy yes. this show. If you have any other ideas you want us to cover, things you want us to do or talk about, we're willing to hear any suggestions and mm-hmm. uh just sure. leave it leave it in the post after this or whatever you find convenient. Um got yeah, else share your uh, share your least favorite characters here or if you disagree with some of ours uh definitely let us know uh let us know what's up. Let us know uh why you feel differently than we do and uh or or if you want to pile on to uh poor Terry Long uh, feel free to do that as well. If you could convince Chris that the Spectre doesn't suck you will have oh, done. Boy. You will have done an amazing thing. So I'll, uh, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a copy of the Spectre during Genesis. Ooh, yeah. Look at that! So uh, that 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 is your mission, uh, patrons, to try to do that. But if you can't, then that's that's all right too. So thanks again, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoy. We'll be back with another, another episode of Comics Talk this month. But until then, enjoy yourselves. See ya. Uh, you know how.